0: The title of the sermon this morning is Show Us a Sign. Show us a sign. You might say, Sign Seekers Suffocate Salvation. Can I say that again? I wish I would thought of that, one, but someone else did. Sign Seekers Suffocate Salvation. Miracle on Demand. Show us a sign. They want to see a sign. And we want to read, if you will, St. Matthew chapter 12, beginning with verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Wow. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights, In the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. I don't know what kind of preacher Jonah was. He probably wasn't a Chuck Swindoll or a Mark Rutland. Because he went, wow, he went preaching, repent, you know. And, and the Bible says that not only was the preaching that went forth, but they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here, speaking of none other than Jesus Christ. The queen of the south, which is one place is called the queen of Sheba. This Sheba was about 1,200 miles from Jerusalem. And this queen traveled 1,200 miles, not on a Cadillac, but riding a donkey or a horse or whatever, 1,200 miles to see Solomon, this great king that so many people said had so much wisdom and so much wealth. And so the queen of the south would rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. Can you see, man? Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. You say, why would he say, because they asked to see a sign, why would he say of these Pharisees and Sadducees, these religious leaders, this evil and adulterous generation? Because they simply were out to test him. They were not asking for a sign or asking for something because they wanted to believe. They had no intentions on believing. And said, what sign will you perform? This is what they said, that we may see it and believe you. What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert and it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven, which is none other, of course, Jesus Christ. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me, I love this, shall never thirst. Then one more, 6 of John, begin with verse 30. Therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate them out in the desert, and it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give them bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. And he goes on to talk about what they wanted was a sign from heaven. Now they had seen Jesus cast out demons and devils. They had seen Jesus heal the sick. They'd seen Jesus perform miracle after miracle, but they said, we want to see a sign from heaven. In other words, what they were saying Moses gave us manna. Can we see something fall from heaven? Joshua Joshua caused actually the sun to stand still that Israel might win the battle. That's the kind of sign they wanted to see. The great prophet Elijah called fire down from heaven. So these religious leaders... In order for Jesus to validate his ministry, wanted to see a sign from heaven. If you do not have an outline of the message, please raise your hand. I want you to have one. Brother Stephen, make sure you get one. Please raise your hand. Further evidence of the blindness and opposition of the religious leaders is their demand for a display of supernatural power that will authenticate Jesus as the Messiah. Christ had performed many miracles, yet they asked for a sign. Christ promises only one sign. Hands are still up, yes. The text reveals some disturbing news about the ones who seek for a sign from Jesus rather than accepting Jesus Christ for simply who he is. Father, add your blessings to the reading of your word. Speak this word to our hearts. Give us spiritual ears, receptive hearts. In Christ's name, we pray. First of all, signs follow believers. I don't want to go into this message and I understand the time and I'll certainly try to abide by that. I don't want to go into this message talking about that they were looking for a sign and I'm not preaching against signs and miracles. For the Bible says... In Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 through 18. And he said unto them, go into all the world. This is a great commission, whether you find it in Matthew 28 or here in Mark 16. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized, what? Will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And he says in verse 17... These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And this is speaking of mainly demonic powers and, and uh, uh, demons. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they perhaps might recover. Did I miss it? I believe it did. It says they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. God wants us to understand that. That these signs were given to these 82 people. You say, why 82? There were 12 disciples and he's sending out 70. 70 and 12 is 82. And that's who he's talking to. But I do not believe, and I don't believe the Bible teaches that these 82 people were the only ones, the disciples at that time were the only ones that were going to have the authority in Jesus' name to cast out devil devils and heal the sick. Let that sink in. The miracles, the signs, all that Jesus did on earth and what the disciples did in the book of Acts did not cease with the early apostles. It's for us today. You and I can cast out devils. You and I can lay our hands on the sick and they recover their testimonies and testimonies in this church. Of God's miraculous power and the signs that God is just doing some great and wonderful things. And he's doing those things certainly around the world. The great commission in Mark 16, in my name. other words, when Jesus says, cast out devils or do all of these things in my name, he's speaking of the authority of his name. And you and I can use the name just like Peter, John, and the apostles. Power over demons should not be the source of joy. Look at Luke chapter 10. I love this scripture. Here are the 70. Then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They were excited. They came back rejoicing. I mean, here they are. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine having the authority of Jesus And in the name of Jesus, laying your hands upon people, and they actually get well. Can you imagine speaking to demonic forces and watch them leave individuals? Can you imagine that? And they got prideful. They came back rejoicing. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I believe that speaking Can I tell you what I believe that is? I've always thought that Jesus, and he did see Satan. Satan was cast out of heaven. He was Lucifer. He was an archangel. He was cast out of heaven. But I believe this is a prophetic word right here. I saw Satan. Notice what he says. Fall like lightning from heaven. I believe this is the church's power over demonic forces. And I believe when the church goes forth with the anointing of God and the power of God and in the name of Jesus Christ, that demons will fall and be subject to the church. Woo! I mean, that's what Jesus is saying right here. I saw Satan fall from heaven. But then he says, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and serpents and over all power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. But now here's what I want you to get to and listen to. Look at verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Can I tell you something? My wife and I, we have lived through, and many of you, or some of you, not many of you, but some of you lived through the great miracles of healing. Well, there was Oral Roberts, A.A. Allen, Jack Coe, William Branham, and you could go on and on and on. Great men, Catherine Kuhlman. I mean, she, she, there, were, there were tens and tens of thousands that would come to her meetings, and she would simply lay her hands on people, and they were healed. You say, what happened to that? I don't know, but I believe one reason is because of this right here. Uh, Power over demons should not be the source of our joy. Not what we do, but who we are. Can I say that again? Not what we do, and if we're not careful, if we are in the ministry and we get in the ministry and we see the power of God being manifested and God is gracious enough to use us as instruments and then we get prideful, we get the what? The big head. And I saw it in so many people back in the 50s and the 60s. And they utilize that gift or those gifts to raise money, forgive me, to glorify themselves. Rather than building the kingdom, they built their kingdom. And God said, Nope, I'm not giving my glory to anybody. Because they were glorying in the fact that they could lay hands on the sick and demons and God would would bless and there would be miracles. I believe many good men have experienced the shipwreck of life simply because they took the glory on themselves. I've been in the services. God's great man of power. Let me tell you, we are nothing without him. And my rejoicing is not over having, oh, I've got a big church. How many of you have in your church? Oh, I've got so and so. Listen, we are nothing without Jesus Christ. And when we start gloating and glorying and pridefully looking at ourselves for what we've done and all of this is going on and we, this is how many we have. This is what we've done. Don't get me wrong. God blesses us and we are proud of what God does. And I'm not talking about that, but if we're not careful. We're just like these 70, we come back rejoicing that the demons are subject to us when we should say, I thank God that my name is written in the Lamb's book of... Stop right there. Stop right there. Miracles are for us today. The success of the 70 caused Jesus to rejoice in the Spirit. I want you to look at verse 21. Now I want to read this to the Amplified. Verse 21 of St. Luke 10, and this is right after the, the 70. Here we go. In that very hour, he, speaking of Jesus, was overjoyed and rejoiced greatly in the Spirit. Isn't that something? Someone says, I don't know of a time that Jesus ever looked happy or rejoiced. Well, right, there it is, and there are other places too. Jesus was overjoyed. He was so excited. And he said, you have hidden these things. He's talking to his father. Relating to salvation from the wise and the intelligent. And have revealed them to infants. You've revealed them to to fishermen. You've revealed them to tax collectors. You've revealed them to to ungodly people that's turned their lives around and been saved. He rejoiced over this fact. From the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants and childlike and t- untaught. Yes, Father, for this way was your gracious will and choice and was well-pleasing in your sight. Some of the very people you think, oh, they they can't do anything. or and, and the devil may tell you, you don't have the education. You don't have the ability. You can't. Let me tell you, God can use you. I don't care who you are. don't care how young you are or how old you are i don't care about your education As you surrender your life to jesus christ and you'll become his follower you my friend not just pastors not just preachers not just the elders you can lay your hands on the sick and they'll recover let the holy ghost anoint you be called of god be an instrument certainly in the hands of God. Now, let me hurry through this one here. Look at number two. Miracles on the man. These came seeking signs not to believe in him, but to prove his validity as Messiah. They were saying to Jesus, You've got to prove whether you're the Messiah or not. Jesus has nothing to prove to us. Let me tell you what, let me tell you the three proofs that I look at. First of all, there's the proof of creation. Anybody that can look, at the creation and not know that there had to be a creator wow so there's the creation that god has given and we can look at the stars and the moon and the sun and the earth look at mankind look at reproduction look at how a child is born and that life then we have the word of god if you know anything about the Bible, if you read it, if you study it, you know it has to be written. I mean, here are 66 books by many authors and not one verse. I know people says it contradicts, but not one verse contradicts the other. And this, this Bible, let me say this, it is God's holy word. Somebody says, well, I want a miracle. I want to see something happen. I want to see this. I want to see that. You know what? You remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? You remember when the, when the rich man died and he went to hell and lifted up his eyes, being in torments? You remember that? And there was a great gulf between him and Lazarus and Abraham. And he called out and he said, Lord, help me. Have Lazarus to come, dip his finger in a cool water and touch my tongue. Jesus said, that can't be. There's a gulf between you. And then the rich man says, I've got, what, five brothers back on earth? they are not died? Would you, have, would you have Lazarus to go back and, and tell them about this place so they won't come here? Jesus said they have Moses and the prophets. And if they don't believe them, they wouldn't believe someone though he rose from the dead. Someone says, well, if I saw someone rise from the dead, I'd serve God. If you don't serve him now, you wouldn't serve him. I don't care what happened. Oh, you might temporarily. You might want to join up with the church and say, wow, you might want to be excited over what's happening. But I'm talking about a real, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. It is very important. If we, it would be nice if the entire world would seek Jesus as a Savior and just simply take him at his word. If one will not believe the word, they will not believe if they saw a miracle. Number three, the greatest sign, the sign of Jonah. The reason Jesus mentioned Jonah here, and he explains it in in the very text, the reason he mentions Jonah is because Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. Or the whale. And Jesus said as Jonah was three days and three nights in the fish. So will the son of man be three days and three nights. So you have the testimony of the creation. You have the testimony of the word. And then let me tell you what's a great testimony. The testimony and the witness of God's people. When I see an alcoholic. That is so bound with alcohol. Alcohol. That in order to get up to go to work the next day, he's got to open up up a, a can of alcohol just to calm his nerves. Every day of his life, he drinks. He's bound. He's addicted so bad. And when I see that man come in this church, Walk down that aisle and kneel right here. And surrender his life to Jesus Christ. Rise up from there. And commit himself to ministry. Commit himself to be a testimony. There's there's just he he's just got the greatest testimony. People call him from all over. They want him to go to this church. They want him to go to that church. Tell us what happened. Tell us how it happened. Tell us about what you were and tell us what you are now. And Junius Westbrook can testify to the fact that there's a God because God set him free from that bondage of alcohol. Would you praise God? Hallelujah. <laughs> there is nothing Listen, there is nothing that will change a life, no matter what it is. I mean, we can turn over a new leaf. We can be determined, I'm not going to drink anymore or take drugs anymore. I'm not going to have this lifestyle anymore. But nothing can change your life like Jesus Christ. Our vision statement is this, transforming lives, not through education, Transforming lives through what? Jesus Christ. He's the only one. That's why we're sold on Jesus. (laughs) Let me tell you, I'm sold on him, aren't you? I mean, he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the one that delivers. He's just as much alive today as he was when he walked the shores of Galilee. Wow. You mean he's alive today? Yeah. No matter what you go through, he's right there with you. Understand that the greatest sign, and, and and when he's talking about Jonah, he's talking about his life. Jesus is life, his death, and his resurrection. G, look at number four on the number three. Jesus is preaching is greater than Jonah's. Will you repent? Jonah's story is more than just being swallowed by a fish. And that was, that was true. Jonah's story is that he went to a rebellious, ungodly nation and preached the gospel and preached righteousness and they got saved from the king right on down to the servant. The whole city turned to God, hundreds of thousands of people because Jonah preached and I'm here to tell you those are greater than Jonah here today. When you think of the wisdom of Solomon, that people came from all over to hear him, to ask him questions, and sit and stand amazed at his answer. Look at all the wealth that he possessed. God Almighty blessed David's son, Solomon. And he was an amazing man. He had he was the white. listen to this, the wisest man that ever lived. And they wanted to hear. Wanted to hear from him. And the greater than Solomon is here. Think about that. Wouldn't you like just to sit down and talk to him? I'm talking about Solomon. Wouldn't you like to have an interview with him? Wouldn't you like to hear him just talk? Well, let me tell you something, Jesus can talk to you. And his wisdom supersedes the wisdom of Solomon. His care goes beyond the care of anyone. I'm talking about none other than Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Quickly, the lessons. The Great Commission was, rele- was not relegated to 82. We've already talked about that. The believer should focus on who they are in Christ, not the works. Number three, the man has natural tendency to glory in the exercise of power which arises from pride which leads to the shipwreck of gifted men number four man has a bible creation and testimony of believers all declaring the lordship and the lord's existence and his power number five sign from heaven Moses provided that's what they wanted I've been going through that number seven signs were granted I love this one read it with me read number seven with me signs were granted to those who desired them to confirm their faith but denied to those who demanded them an excuse for their unbelief I hope you heard it I hope you're listening I got to read that one one more time Follow me with you. Signs were granted to those who desired just to confirm their faith. And God does that. And miracles are being performed all over the world. I was just reading last night. I googled this this, this thing of of how God is speaking to the Muslims. God is speaking to Muslims all over the world. (coughs) Indonesia, the Middle East, wherever they might be. And he's showing himself strong. He's showing himself through visions. Jesus Christ himself. I don't know why he chooses to do this. Jesus Christ himself is appearing to imams and Muslims all over the world in visions, and dreams, and they're turning to Jesus by the thousands. God's still doing signs, but he's not going to pacify a bunch of religious people that want to test him. He'll show you a sign. Number eight, the resurrection of Christ from the dead, called here the sign of the prophet Jonah, was the great proof of Christ being the Messiah. Let me ask you something his Brother Matt and them come. Are you still, listen at me. You say, well, I'm not asking for a sign. But are we going to sit asking Jesus to do something before we move? If I would ask us all to stand in just a moment and come to this altar, and for us that don't know Jesus to commit our lives to Jesus Christ, would we do that without saying, well, God, if you'll save my brother, or if you'll do this, or if you'll help me get a new job, or Father, just show me yourself, just show me something. He don't have to show us anything. He sent his son. He sent his son to this earth. That hung between heaven and earth. It's a historic fact that this man Jesus came and gave his life for my and your sins. That's a fact. It's proven historically. It's proven historically. But more than that, it's proven in our hearts, it's proven in our lives. And one of the greatest testimonies of the authenticity of Jesus Christ is to see in the life of a man or woman changed. God wants to change your life today.